I prayed every night that he would escape. Why the hell would you do that for? So I can kill him. This is Movie Geek and Proud. Welcome back, everyone. Sean and I are super excited for today's episode. We are on episode 27. God, I've been spending so much time with you. (laughs) I can't believe we're at episode 27. This is so cool. I can't believe we have not gotten canceled yet. I can't believe I don't hate you yet. I know. We spend (laughs) so much time together on this show, but it is so much fun. It is so much fun. And today is just going to be even more exciting because... We're reviewing Halloween. Right, and we've been holding this in like a bad fart. Like, we could not talk about this movie for over a month. Now, everyone is doing this movie as one of their episodes. So how are we going to stand out, Sean? We got to see it early, Rob. Exactly. We saw it twice. Yes! So we are going to give you the perspective of first view and second view. And second view, usually you're a little bit more critical. So things might change. And you're (laughs) going to get that from this review today but first let's do our question of the week too many questions too many questions name the best and worst halloween movie in the series all right now for the answers that we received i don't uh, most people couldn't include this one because they hadn't seen it yet but um what were some of the answers that stuck out to you All right, Andrew at Mouth and Hands said, Resurrection, the worst, for sure. Original, the best, for sure. He's very sure. Mm -hmm. Two, best sequel, Rob Zombies are underrated, preach. 2018 couldn't be more overrated if I tried. Wow. So this is him commenting on this latest one. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So yeah, he thinks the new one's overrated. Fair enough. All right, I have one from Bad Reception Podcast. At Bad Reception Pod, I pray there is never a worse Halloween than Resurrection. Uh, 1978's Halloween is the best. I know others hate Rob Zombie's Halloween Part 2, but it's my second favorite of the series. Wow. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's my second of the series, but I also think it was a good movie. Yeah. No, not me. (laughs) Okay, so BoycottRaw.com says, If someone doesn't say three is the worst, they truly don't know shit about this series. (laughs) Best one is still the original or maybe number four. I will have to disagree. I don't think three is the worst, and I have a reason for it, but I'm going to save it. Okay, fair enough. Um, So Friday the 13th podcast, Halloween Resurrection worst, a tie between Halloween 1 and 2. For the best, given that they both took place in the same night. Uh, But he also adds his own caveats. He says underrated is Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. (laughs) He says Tom Atkins is the man. Overrated is Rob Zombie's Halloween. Wow. And see, I thought everybody liked Rob Zombie's. No likable characters to be found. Huh. That's, that's, yeah, that's what he wrote. So Stevel at Stevel Empire 71 said, Best is still the first 1978 classic. 
worst is Rob Zombie's H2. Wow. Mm -hmm. The ghost woman and horse was just distractingly odd and the rules were unclear. Okay. Yeah. Uh, One more. This is actually from Instagram. Uh, We have Nate His Fate on Instagram. His best H2O. Wow. Yes. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And his worst is a tie between curse and resurrection. Huh. Yeah. Well, um, we want to thank everyone who answered the question of the week. Um, If we didn't read your answer, so sorry about that. But um, we have a lot of show to cover. But we want you to keep answering our questions each week and just look out for the next one in the next uh, few days. Uh, Sean, what was your answer? So my favorite, I'm going to be basic and say the first one. It was really good. But I also really liked the fourth one. I thought Jamie was a great... No, is that yeah, Jamie, Jamie, Denise. Denise. Her name was Jamie, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, worst one, I'd say at least three tried something different, not having Michael, but Halloween Resurrection was actually a different movie that they just plugged Michael Myers into. So that's why I would say it's worse than three. And that probably explains why the whole movie as a whole is hated on by most audience because it doesn't look like a Michael Myers movie. It right. just seems like a very cash grab and and just a lazy way of bringing him back after said death in H2O. Right. It's not even his motive to kill the way he does in that movie. Exactly. So, yeah, maybe that explains why the movie was so horrible. However, not an excuse. Resurrection is the worst for me. And I really wanted to say curse, but I, I it's just more of hatred rather than just an overall <laughs> movie. I just don't like what they tried to do in curse. It was just ridiculous. But resurrection as a whole was just a waste of time. Um, my best actually is H2O as well. Wow. I really, really love the original and I love what it's done for slasher films. And it, it's just a very creepy movie, but I grew up with H2O. So... If I want to replay one of them, it's going to be that one versus the first one, hands down. So I'll go with that one. Three minutes. That's all I'm giving you. That's all the hook I got. Now we're going to do some three-minute or less reviews. We actually got to go to the movies this weekend, so we have some movies for you. Uh, Sean, what are we doing first? So the first one we'll talk about is A Star is Born. A star is born. That was Hercules. Is that what that was? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for telling me. That was Hercules. You don't remember that song from Hercules? No. Oh, I love it. <laughs> All right. Let me get my timer. Okay, go. I thought this movie was good. I think it's got kind of an overhype behind it. I do love the performances by Bradley and Lady Gaga. I think the story itself, I mean, it was the third, second remake. Mm-hmm. It's a very old-fashioned story that the woman does everything for a man, and the man couldn't care less. Mm-hmm. So the story itself was kind of just okay to me. Um, yeah, I unfortunately have not seen any of the previous adaptations or, or, or entries, so I can't really compare. What I will say is that the performances were great. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Gaga again surpassed her hotel show series from American Horror Story. She definitely surpassed that. She's obviously in her element, so I think this was a great way to feature her in any kind of acting aspect because she's surrounded by music. I mean, any musical number she did, she soared. Um, Bradley Cooper, he did good for what he did. And the reason why I say it like that is because... While his character was very versatile and something I had never seen before, I couldn't understand a word he was saying. <laughs> True. He had a little bit too much country in that voice, and it was just too much masculinity and just bass in those voices. Him and Sam Elliott both, when they were arguing, like I was like, what are you arguing about? Were they brothers? I don't know. Was that his brother? In the movie? Yeah. Because he talked about his brother, and then he was like, you sold my father's land, and blah, 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 and... I, I just, I don't know. It just seemed like they were brothers. I don't know. But again, all of their relationship was such a blur because I couldn't understand a word they were saying. <laughs> I actually did not like this movie. Wow. I wasn't bored, but I just didn't get it. I was, I went in with a lot of hype behind it as well. And I just saw a very typical story from what you would usually see in this type of situation. Um, again, I thought the songs were great and the performances were great. Everything moved by too fast. Their courtship was like two scenes. It, it just happened way too fast. Um, I love the fact that he did randomly just go to a drag bar. I thought that was amazing. Yeah. But she has this fixation that she doesn't like singing her own songs. She tried it and they told her she was ugly. All he had to do was say, you were beautiful, brought her to a concert come on stage with me and do this. And she did it. And I was like, where was this fear? Where, it just went away. It just happened too fast. I, I don't want to spoil any of the movie, but again, um, I, I just think it could have been better. Yeah. And I, I'm just not as hyped as everyone else. But Willem and Changela were everything in it. Yes, they were. They were really funny. <laughs> uh, quick rate. Three. Three. I'll give it a three, two. Okay. It was just okay for me. Perfect timing. Yeah. All right. One more. Let's do another. All right. Hellfest. 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 Okay, go. Um, I thought this movie was kind of just a typical slasher. Like, they didn't really go into characters much. Um, it was fun for what it was, but I didn't love it. Do you think this movie was supposed to do that, though? I've expected maybe something a little bit more than what I got for characters. I think we're past this type of movie being made for horror. Fair enough. Um, for anybody who doesn't know, Hellfest is this uh, small um, movie that just kind of came out. Um, you don't really hear too much about it, mm -hmm. but um, it is cap it's capturing the fascination of um, horror mazes and haunted houses that you would see. And what if there was an actual killer there killing people, but you wouldn't know none of the wiser because it could be a part of the show and the theatrics that you're, that's surrounding you. So a group of friends get stalked and one of them is targeted because she isn't scared of anything. So that's how they get you. And, um, I, I thought this movie was fun. I laughed out loud quite a bit, actually. The kills were completely unexpected. The gore factor, I just didn't expect to see what I saw. This killer was disgusting. Uh, I do like how they wrapped it up. Mm -hmm. I It's not unique, but it is something different that I didn't expect to see on this particular slasher film. 
And uh, yeah, this movie could have easily been played on MTV, to be honest with you. Uh, we actually had two people leave during it. We did. Yeah, I there forgot. was two people who just weren't fans of this movie. But to say that that means it's bad, I don't think so. Um, would I rush out and see it? No. But if you're into horror movies, I think this is fun. A cameo from Tony Todd. Yeah. Why not, right? Uh, you damn right a cameo. I thought he was going to be in it more. No. Yeah, <laughs> no, I knew it was going to be something small, but yeah. So, yeah, Hellfest, what do you rate it? I'd give it a three. Three as well? Okay, two and a half for me. Okay. It could have been better, but um, yeah, it was fun. Yeah. All right, before we get to our review, here is a promo from another podcast called VD Clinic. Are you sick of the same old stale podcasts? Well, then join Vanessa and Darren as they dissect movies of all kinds. The two lifelong cinema lovers bring their favorites, curiosities, and first-time watches to the operating table and inject them with a healthy dose of snark. Then there's the waiting room where they examine books and short stories. So just look for them on Apple Podcasts and where fine podcasts are available. They're part of the Legion Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter at VD Clinic Pod. Join them on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash VD Clinic Pod. Or email them at vdclinicpod at gmail.com. They're ready to cure what ails you. <laughs> and still, they just might be a little contagious. Feature presentation. <laughs> Halloween, release October 19th, 2018. This stars Jamie Lee Curtis, Judy Greer, and Andy Matichok, along with James Jude Courtney as The Shape, as well as Nick Castle as The Shape. It is directed and written by David Gordon Green, and Danny McBride also co-wrote this as well and helped produce it. It is Laurie Strode comes to her final confrontation with Michael Myers, the masked figure who has haunted her since she narrowly escaped his killing spree on Halloween night four decades ago. Sean, what numbers do we have yet for this? So this movie budgeted at around 10 to 15 million. Mm -hmm. So far, and it's only been out a few days, it's made 90.5 million. You're kidding me. Do I look like I'm joking, Rob? <laughs> wow. And I have to hand it to you because on one of our episodes, you brought up comedy writers writing drama. And we've been seeing that a lot lately. Yes, we have. This one's Danny McBride. I never would have guessed he would make one of the most like grotesque horror films ever. We can't forget that these people are humans and two, and some of them are horror geeks. Yeah. And they have a big passion for that stuff, even though you don't see it in their acting and their work. Mm -hmm. So who knows what people have up their sleeves, man? Uh, I also want to read a tweet that has gone viral on Twitter from Jamie Lee Curtis. She says, OK, I'm going for one boost post. 
biggest horror movie opening with a female lead. Biggest movie opening with a female lead over 55. Preach. Second biggest October movie opening ever. And biggest Halloween opening ever. Hashtag women gets things done at Halloween movie. And then it's just got a picture of the three uh, strode women standing there looking all boss. Very nice. Freaking love it. Yeah. So, I mean, she's clearly very proud of what's been going on with uh, this film. Even The Rock tweeted back and was like, congratulations, get it done. (laughs) So um, let's talk about our first reactions to this when we saw this movie. What did we think of Halloween? First reaction, I love this movie. Mm Mm-hmm. The one thing that just came out of left field to me was the doctor wanting to help Michael Myers. Okay. I was not expecting that on the first watch through. By the way, I know that this movie just came out, so spoilers. I thought we were doing spoilers. We are doing spoilers, but spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about this movie in full, so just be prepared for that. If you have not seen it, I would turn this off right now. Go watch the movie and come back. We will be here waiting for you. No problem. Okay, continue, Sean. (laughs) So, yeah, that felt a little weird to me because it just kind of got thrown in there, I feel like. So, besides that, though, I thought it was a very solid first watch. Okay. Um, Yeah, so for we went together and we were surrounded by nothing but horror fiends and fans of Halloween and people who were willing to sit in line for five hours just (laughs) to get a seat. So we had a very enthusiastic crowd, which boosted this nostalgic horror movie for us. And it just made the experience so much fun. Um, We practically caught almost every single Easter egg or any kind of homage to the first one throughout this first showing and it was full of applause and laughter and just excitement and just being very like happy that Laurie Strode was given such a redemption from screen screen queen to this badass woman over 55 who (laughs) is prepared to fight this grown ass man to the death. And let me tell you, like, I really, really enjoyed this movie. It was so much fun to watch. And I may have been, like, overanalyzing it, but I saw so much stuff. Oh, yeah. That just reminded me of the first one or or just some kind of, like, twist on what we expected to happen. I mean, technically, the predator became the prey in this. Yeah. And I, I mean, and just that last, you know, battle scene it was her stalking him mm-hmm. and i i just found that to be great um but let's talk about like um the story and the progression we're 40 years later from the first one um what did you think about sort of the transition from from the first one to this one do you think it tied in very well or you know um did it seem like believable where everybody was in their lives and stuff like that So a few things I liked about how they tied them together was I think it's believable that Lori would be this kind of insane survivalist chick because that was a really grisly murder that she went through all in one night. She watched what, like four of her or three of her friends get killed all in one night and she was stalked and nearly killed herself. 
and um, that would leave a mark on you. And I, I think the way they showed it was very believable. And I think um, when her granddaughter is walking to school with her two friends and the guy with the dumb hat that looks stupid <laughs> was like, um, it's not even that bad of a thing. What, three people got killed like 40 years ago? Like we see worse things today. I think that was a very believable look on our generation and the way we just kind of sweep it all under the rug. Like it's not real to him at all. And the fact that it's not real is even more dangerous to these characters in this movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I I can totally see, see um, what you're saying there. It's very true. We should also bring up the fact that they, um, they set the record straight on Lori and Michael being related Right. The rumor had been going around town that it's because they um, are related brother and sister. And then the granddaughter, Allison, you know, says that is just a stupid rumor. People made up to feel good about themselves. (laughs) Now, that particular line, do you think they were throwing shade at the people who made the sequels or or it was just, again, just more of a solidified way to say this is in no way related to Halloween 2. You know, I, that crossed my mind on the second viewing. Like, did they specifically say that about the earlier creators? Because Danny McBride went on record saying it's less scary if he has a reason. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe they were throwing shade. Yeah. Um, I do like the fact that um, they weren't related. I prefer it. I don't mind it. I don't I mm, I don't know how I feel about it. We've still. talked about this and I, I know. think maybe in a previous episode we did. I know that you did like it and it made sense to tie it all together. I'm just so connected to the old movies. I think it works for this movie. I just still don't know how I feel overall. Mhm. So we uh, are presented plot-wise with a couple of podcasters. Can you believe that? Yeah. (laughs) I love it. How updated can you be? Um, Who are studying Michael Myers, and they go as far to go to um, to the mental hospital that he's being held at. First of all, any theories on how they caught him? I would say they caught him at the end of the first one when he's um, shot by Loomis. Well, but the ending, but then he they, gets up, yeah, huh? he's gone. That's how they ended. But didn't they say they were retroing that or retconning that for this movie? Kind of, I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. Okay, fair enough. He just got shot and they took him in. Um, so yeah, these um, podcasters want to, you know, review a documentary on him, try and get him to speak and all this stuff. We meet the new Loomis, quote unquote. <laughs> um, so this character is played by Halak. Uh, Bill Geiner, I hope that's how you, Bill Jenner, who plays Dr. Satan. Now, um, I want to read something from Twitter because we asked people to comment um, on what they thought of this movie, uh, just so we can read some comments throughout this review. I want to read what someone said. So this was by No Better Death on Twitter at No Better Death 1. I couldn't tell if the comment that Lori and um, Lori isn't Michael's sister was meant as fact in the new timeline or if that was something that Karen had told Allison to distance her family from the horror of it all. Karen, I believe, is the mom. Right. Karen's the mom. Yeah. It plays as a sequel to number two, not one. So we assume that they are siblings, right? So he has a theory that 
the mom, obviously, who's been lying to her daughter just to keep her separate from all that stuff that's been going on. So then, obviously, he's trying to theorize, are they really sisters, a brother and sister? And that was, and she just doesn't know the real truth. That's a really interesting theory. Um, I would say Danny McBride said this erases the continuity of the second one, mm-hmm. but especially with other directors, we've seen them flat out lie to us before, and then we get these really cool revelations. So mm-hmm. I don't know. That's an interesting theory. Yeah. Um, another podcast reviewed the, uh, I believe, the first Halloween, the 1978 version, and they were talking about, well, one of them, whoever does most of the tweets on there, uh, they pointed out that um, they really enjoyed the movie. However, they didn't like the new Loomis. So Dr. Satant is supposedly the new Loomis, the one who is taking care of Michael or assigned to his case. Now, I mean, obviously, he is the new Loomis because he's the new doctor. And he but, sounds just like him. Right? I know, right? <laughs> but... um. When I hear the term new Loomis, I'm hearing somebody who knows everything about Michael and is also going around town trying to help the cops and make sure that nobody else falls prey to Michael as he's warning everyone. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Satan is not that person. I actually consider Laurie Strode to be the new Loomis. She's age appropriate. She's running around town, getting everybody off the streets. She has more knowledge of Michael, more than most people. And she's working with the cops. To me, she fits that role that he played in 1978. Well, I agree with you. Mm -hmm. I think it makes sense for Dr. Sartan to say that, though, because he's under the guise that he's the ultimate Michael Myers, and he's trying to fly under the radar because he wants to help Michael. Mm -hmm. So... You know, if you're trying to be, if you're evil, trying to look good, you're going to compare yourself to someone who's good. Yeah. So I think it makes sense. So, um, yeah, these these podcasts are showing the mask and it gets a, you know, uproar in the in the hospital. And then they're transporting him to another facility because that hospital is only there to attempt to cure or help the mentally insane. But if there's no hope. They go straight to jail or something. And I have to say, I really love the idea of the mask having a like connection with Michael. Isn't I thought that, that was so cool. Yeah, that is pretty, like, do we remember how he even got that mask? I don't think he ever went into a store to grab one. He just kind of had it. Yeah, I'm trying to remember now. But, I mean, he's obviously grown fond of it. So is that is that the same exact mask from the first? Is that what they're saying? I take it, yeah, it's the same mask. Because okay. in this continuity, he wouldn't have been outside of that prison. Yeah. So, yeah, they somehow got the original mask. Mm-hmm. And just that whole scene with everybody going crazy, and then the music comes on. Yeah. Oof. The same font was used yes. during the credits. It just brought a whole bunch of stuff back. I, I just love that. But um, what a shock. We get triple the body count yeah. in this movie. I think and he remember. only killed. Yeah, I think he killed like five people in the first. This one, I counted 15. Yeah, and way back when you asked me how many kills, and I said 12. And you thought that was high. I did think that was high. I thought they were going to keep the same sort of tone mm-hmm. as the first one. I didn't think they were going to meet halfway between this and Rob Zombies because he killed tons in his yeah. version. So. I was actually okay with this body count. 
Yeah, I thought it fit our generation needs a bigger body count, and I think it fit. Okay. One thing that I noticed, just to kind of talk about a few things at once, on my second viewing, I noticed kind of a thread between a few characters, and this is kind of what made Dr. Sartan's motives make more sense to me in this movie. I feel like in... There's this kind of um, love for serial killers in our society. And I mean, I'm one of these people who I'm very interested in serial killers and I do watch documentaries and read about them. But I feel like at a certain point, some people like turn them into celebrities because I've seen even on Facebook, Instagram, there's like, you know, um, Dahmer ate my heart. And like, oh, that's cute because he really did eat people's hearts, you fucking weirdo. (laughs) (laughs) So in this movie, I feel like the podcasters in the first example, I feel like they idolized Michael Myers because when they went to Lori's house, they're almost begging her to confront Michael and talk to him and make him feel better. And I'm like, why would you want that? He was a killer. And then we have the ugly hat guy who's Allison's friend (laughs) who, same thing, he didn't really think about the murders because he's not connected to them. He hasn't seen anything about it. So I feel like he almost idolized the killer. And it explains Dr. Sartan. He was definitely idolizing Myers because he even says, like, what is it like underneath this mask? What is it like to give in to these impulses? Yeah. The the movie has uh, a definite um, theme to it, and that's obsession. Mm-hmm. Um, we're unable to let things go. We, um, you know, over overanalyze stuff and just hold on to the past. And with Sartan, I think that he couldn't help him, but he has no choice but to dig deep into your patient if you want to help them. And that's pretty much his only way of connecting to Michael. Mm -hmm. He will never understand where Michael's coming from because he doesn't speak and he doesn't do anything. So he just lost it Mm -hmm. and decided that he needed to fully understand what he sees in killing by doing it himself. With this particular situation... I don't mind it. It was a it was an interesting twist to the point of why he did it, but the execution was super cheesy. Okay. I don't like how he just kind of came out of nowhere and was like I'm going to kill him and I'm also going to put on the mask. It's <laughs> just I it was just a little too much for me and like I get him trying to do the reunion and look, they threw us off. I didn't catch it. So, I mean, great writing to the fact that you pulled this off without me figuring it out. But he already had a broken arm from being shot, and he was able to carry that six foot five man into the back seat. Fuck that noise. <laughs> I call shenanigans. I don't know how he did that, but whatever. That's all I'll say about that. Okay. What did you think about the number of kids that died in this movie? <laughs> that was crazy. And like uh, the the one kid in the beginning that finds the bus crash. Yes. This adorable little kid who just wants to dance and his dad's making him hunt. I, why, okay, why do you think they did that? I was trying to figure that out. I don't know if they were trying to make a point, um, like generalizing that he likes to dance. Is he supposed to be gay? Are they trying to show that like 
boys now aren't so defined that he likes to dance rather than doing boy things no matter what his sexuality so i wouldn't say that he's gay because we we should also be aware that straight men especially cis gender men can like things that are targeted for women and dance is not necessarily the most manly thing you would see a boy do so to have a straight boy admit that doesn't mean you're gay it just means you like to dance right but and i that's do why see, i clarify yeah though. <laughs> and i do no no no. i totally see what you're saying because immediately i went to the gay thing and mm-hmm. that's because that's my world that's what we think about we're we're, we're around it enough to be like oh you know maybe gay because you know what boy likes dance but we're in 2018 now and and we're starting to see that the new generation is opening up to that type Mm -hmm. of stuff and so i i do like that touch so i i'm guessing he they did that just for him to be current do you think it was to tap into our psyches and make us like him quicker because he's different well that too yeah well they didn't give him a name which sucks his name is son (laughs) (laughs) but um i gotta give it to this boy so his name is vince mattis Great acting in his scene. I just thought he was so believable. Let me tell you, our first showing of this, he is like, I'm not getting out of this car. You shouldn't either, Dad. And the dad gets out and we're like, oh, we know it's about to happen now. So he calls the cops and he tells them where they are, but he needs some more landmarks. So he has to get out of the car. We're like, no, don't do it. That's stupid. But what does he do? He brings a gun with him. Even though he doesn't even like to shoot, he's got that gun. Our theater was applauding so loud. And half of why I think this is, is because we're starting to see smart-ass people in these horror movies. I love that. And even though he met his demise, he went out with a bang. He went out with a fight. He went out not making dumb mistakes, in my opinion. Well, and what do you think even of the way Michael killed him? He was very almost dainty with it. He just grabbed his neck and then broke it really quick. He did knock him against the car door, I think, twice. I mean, no blood kind of came from it, but he didn't go out easy. Okay. So Michael has um, no name tags on his victims. He is going to go after whoever's in his way. Again, I don't know how this big giant dude is sneaking around and isn't seen it's so weird, but he managed to get in the back seat and took him out. It makes sense. I mean, kids his age and pets, I, I don't understand the point of killing anybody that young, but for this movie, it made sense. He had to go. It made sense, and I, I could see, as a believable character, I would feel safe in the truck, too. Do you do you applaud him for taking a shot at the doctor when he popped out and yelled like a jack-in-the-box? Yes. <laughs> Get it. Well, I mean, because we obviously know why. But, I mean, I think that is a very natural reaction for him to just shoot at. I mean, you've got a whole bunch of people just around you that could easily pop out at any time. Mm-hmm. It made sense for him to shoot first. Yep. So, but, yeah, I just want to give a shout-out to that kid. Um, then we go to the other star of the movie the scene stiller uh jabrail uh natambu he was the little kid that um <laughs> that the babysitter was um vicky was babysitting in both screenings i was in he gets so many laughs he's so funny well we didn't expect that from him we expected a little scary tommy to show up this time yeah, you know, it's funny because he makes fun of the stupid children of the originals, you know, because she's on the phone and she's like, bring the abracadabra. And he's like, I know the abracadabra's weed. 
<laughs> he was so funny. He's like, I should be in bed right now, but instead you got me clipping my dumbass toenails, and I'm yeah, it was so good. Nasty ass toenails. Yeah, nasty ass toenails. And then just they set up the relationship between them so well that I liked the babysitter right away. We did like her. She she was fun and she was rooting for her friend Allison to, you know, have a good night with her boyfriend and, you know, she was you know, talking shit with the kid. Yeah, you're my 10th favorite kid that I watch. Well, that's the other thing, too. Like, I never really babysitted in that capacity. But, I mean, babysitters do form a bond with their charges if they babysit them enough. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, they had an understanding. And he was like, don't let me tell your parents about your search engine. You you wouldn't. Just like I w-. Yeah, so, I mean, they could blackmail each other. That's how that works. Mm-hmm. I love it. But, um her immediate reaction to protect the kid was also, I think, total badass, especially as a babysitter. Can you believe that? Well, in his reaction to protecting her, too, I think that was just such a great friendship they had. But, I mean, he had no choice to run. Right. He did, and it and it sucks that it ended the way that it did. But um, that scene from the trailer hooked me. Just that whole closet scene, I don't even know what I would do if that was me. That was one of the scariest scenes in this movie. I just thought it was so terrifying. But here, I want to ask you something. We're probably at kill number six, maybe seven at this point. Why do you think that they were targeted? Why do I think the babysitter and the kid were? Michael knows nothing about their granddaughter. And all of a sudden, he's targeting this specific part of the neighborhood and goes into her house or his house and hides in a closet just to take her out. Like, what was the point of all that? Right. Yeah, I didn't think about it upon the first viewing, but I remember we talked about it and I couldn't come up with a reason. I like your reason, though. It it kind of makes sense. Okay, so here is my reason. And um, I'm going to tie this in with another comment on Twitter. Um, again, um, from No Better Death, he also writes, the lady in the window that got the knife through her neck, best kill in the movie. Um, and then he said something about the flashlight face was cool. This was at the end with the cop mm-hmm. um, and all. But the brutality of that one stabbed, that one stab was perfection. So this is the woman who is looking outside. And we see Michael go around the corner. And as she's closing down the blinds, that's when he takes her neck, beats it against the couch, and then stabs her through the neck, and we see the knife. I have a theory that in the window pane, you saw the reflection of across the street. Mm -hmm. And I think that was Tommy's house, old house. Oh, yes, that was Tommy's old house. Okay, and so that, I think, is sort of the reason why he was stuck in this particular neighborhood. I don't know if the kid's house was old Tommy's house. I don't think so. But one thing you had brought up, though, was that he sees the black couple leaving to go to the party. Yes. And so we were thinking that they're the parents of the young kid. Yeah. And that's why he sees them leaving. Yeah. So he goes after the kids in the house. Yeah. That was my second theory is that those are probably the parents. Um, but yeah, just the random of him going to the old woman's house to get the night. I mean, it, it just seemed that he didn't see them. So I just, it's just funny how her friends happen to be targeted. 
yeah. for this. But it was a, it was an amazing scene. One of the parts that I really liked, and you just made me think about it because you were talking about the knife throat lady. Mm-hmm. There's some awesome background stuff going on in that scene because she's on the phone. We see him on the side of the house and then she hears on the news that the killer's free and then we see her come forward and he's in the background. But the scene that I feel like did that really well was with the podcasters at the gas station. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That scene is, it's just, I just got chills, Rob. (laughs) (laughs) Great camera work on that scene, for sure. I totally, yeah. One thing I missed on the first run through, I think, is um, that you see him drive up next to them even. Oh, you didn't see that? No. I saw that. Okay. Yeah, I definitely saw the truck. I first noticed him when he was walking in the background. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God, white outfit. Mm-hmm. And then you see him just beating the shit out of the mechanic in the background while yeah. she's paying. Mm-hmm. I just, I love that whole scene. No, that was really good. Um, he doesn't have the mask yet. Right. So we're getting small glimpses of his actual face, which I think is also a really good touch. Yes. We still do not want to humanize him. We have to keep him as the shape. We can't give him any kind of human features we he has to be in the background him spying on judas's uh grave Mm -hmm. just with his face covered great touch and but the camera still gives you a little glimpse like he's not distorted or has a fucked up face like jason or whatever yeah but it's still great camera work but he has to get his outfit Mm -hmm. and so he's got his outfit and then he goes for the kill he goes for that mask and this goes back to him sensing the mask in the beginning it gave reason for him to find them at this random gas station Mm because he's zeroing on the mask now at this point in the movie we're still not at a supernatural kick with this right Right. all of this is subliminal or mental he's able to sense this mask Mm -hmm. okay all right and then the part that still gets me, and I, I call it visceral, is when he drops the teeth. That's so disturbing to oh, me. Like, God. can you imagine if that happened to I you? I know. I can't. He was peeking through, like, the little holes of the door. Right. With her. Like, that alone is creepy as shit. <laughs> oh, my God. I couldn't believe you could actually see his eye looking in. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, this is so gross. So, I have a theory, Rob. I know you know my theory, but I'm going to bring it up. Let's go. They never showed the male podcaster's body. No, they did not. I think he is definitely alive. Okay. Yeah. We don't know what happened to him, but I think he's totally alive. Yeah, I think he would maybe become a Loomis-type character if they were to carry out any sequels. Do you think he would stay involved, though? I mean, a podcaster can only do so much, and I'm thinking he really got a taste of what he was doing like he didn't know exactly what he was getting himself into could you see him as like a cotton weary like writing a book and becoming all popular from it he probably would i survived a michael myers attack right jesus (laughs) did we like him i didn't like him i think the reason i didn't like him is it goes back to that um kind of obsession we were talking about Mm mm-hmm I feel like he was so willing to play with fire and he didn't fully understand what he was doing. Mm -hmm. Like he showed the mask and then he went to Lori and that's when I kind of started not liking him where he was like pleading with her to go talk to Michael. Yeah. Like I feel like he was too far on Michael's side without really taking the gravity of what Michael had done. Yeah. No, no, no. I totally agree. And um, let's talk about Jamie Lee Curtis for a second. 
she obviously is super distraught from this. She can't really move on. She raised her daughter to be like this lethal killer or protector if the time <laughs> should come. But she, I, one of my favorite parts in this movie is that she goes to watch Michael be transported. And she's, you know, drinking the whole mini bottles of vodka. She's, you know, crying hysterically in the car. She can't really even deal with this bus driving past her. And there's been a, a lot of talk about even the victimizer. I'm sorry, not the victimizer, but the victim is obsessed with their predator and not in a happy way or anything, but they are tied to them. They don't really know who they are or what their life is meant to be without this trauma that they face. Mm -hmm. Now I'm no psychologist, so I can't dive any deeper than that, but just from what the movie had shown us, I thought it was a really interesting touch to kind of go into her mental state and the fact that yes, this whole thing wouldn't happen if Michael wasn't so obsessed with her, but it's the other way around as well. It's vice versa. Like she is obsessed with him she can't let him go until one of them's going to be gone. I mean, it's kind of like a little Batman Joker thing. Yeah. They're never going to get rid of each other until they kill one another. Like, that's it. And you know where my mind went the first time and what I th almost think would have been more interesting? All right, it shows her scream in the car and then it cuts to her coming into the dinner. I thought she was going to be the one who caused the bus to crash in order to set Michael free. Okay. And I thought we were going to hear her talk about it, like almost admit it to her family. Like I did this thing because I want to kill Michael. Yeah. If they had done that, then they, sh they should have killed her at mm. the end. I would have preferred that because that would have been completely wrong. And for her own obsession, which would make her a little bit of a villain. But if she died during her cause and killed him in the process, I would have been totally fine with that. Okay. Um, I did love that figure coming towards her car as she's screaming. Did you see him? Yes. Yeah, her her mind was, you know, just, she she almost lost it just watching him leave. And I just think that just having that figure kind of go, over, it's, he's always going to be on, she's always going to, he's always going to be on her mind. And, and, and it just sucks. You know, how do you move on from that, you mm -hmm. know? And, you know, at the end of the day, she obviously did the right thing for herself. But I just wonder if she could have done that without excluding her family and stuff like that. Right. And that was an interesting dynamic, too, that even her family is like, you're taking this too seriously. You're crazy. Let it go. Mm -hmm. But we obviously see what her obsession comes to. <laughs> so we have um, the rest of the Strode women. We have Judy Greer, who is Karen, and then her daughter, Allison, what do you think of these two additions? Do you think that they were necessary to the story? Well, it's hard for me to really put this into perspective because seeing Lori as crazy as she is, I just imagine some guy is fucking her and she's got a gun in one hand and she's like looking for Michael with the other. You know? <laughs> so you're like, how does she even have kids? Right. She's so paranoid. I, I really don't know how she, I mean, she was, she, she you know, one's enough. I mean, that happens, but you know, she had two, was it two failed marriages? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it makes sense, but Hey, some people are just, it does. I know people yeah. have sex, but <laughs> I, I really liked the addition of these women. I think, um, I think with Karen, we got a character who 
we got to not like at first because she's lying to her daughter and she's just she doesn't like Lori and we love Lori. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting to see her and then come into what she becomes at the end. We got to see kind of redemption for her. Yeah. And then Allison, I think, is a good character because we all liked her from the start. You know, she's a smart girl. She plays her mom basically like the grandma call. Yeah. <laughs> and then we find out she damn well knows that grandma and her mom didn't talk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so she was just, I think, a smart girl and a, a pretty girl and just a likable character overall. Mm-hmm. Um, I do love the gender bending Halloween costume she decided to do. Yes. With her um, boyfriend. And um, yeah, I. That whole interaction with him, I'm glad that that wasn't a major plot um, point in the movie. Like, once he was out of the picture, it was done. It was not about her and her love interest. It was about her and her family. And so I'm glad they didn't pay too much attention of them getting back together at the end or whatever the case may be. It's like, that that chapter's closed. Let's right. move on, you know? Um, so my second experience with this movie, a lot of people were laughing at Allison. Uh oh. They didn't really see the point, I feel. Anytime that she was on screen, they get like a chuckle. Um, one part in particular is when she's in the cop car and they pull over, and then Michael kills Dr. Sultan, and um, she gets out and she just runs through the woods instead of at the clear road down the street to the other cops. And people just kind of laughed at her. It's like, what is she doing? And then, like, we go to Judy Greer, Karen, and then Lori, and they're doing their thing. And then we cut back to her still wandering around the woods, <laughs> who hasn't made it to the house yet. And it's just like, did we really need Allison for this? I mean, I don't see any sequels. I honestly don't want any, and we'll get to that later. But if for any reason to have a granddaughter, it's to pass the torch. But for what? Like, was that the reason why we needed two additional strodes in this? Are we passing the torch? Is that what's happening with Allison? I think so. <sighs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. So um, we get to the last scene, the battle scene. What would you think of that? So one thing, I was a little upset with Lori because I don't think she needed to bring her whole family there. I think she's directly responsible for her son-in-law's death. Do you think Michael would have eventually gotten to Lori, though, if it, if the family was still in town? I don't think he would have gone after the family. He was hell-bent on Lori. Okay. But, I mean, I guess you could argue if he found out where Lori's family was living, he would have looked for her there. Mm-hmm. But she didn't have to bring them with her to that house. Okay. All right. Uh, I do love the way the house is set up. I was getting super excited the way that most of that played out just with her Lori going around the house with a shotgun searching for him. And any time that she checked a room and cleared it, yes, she locked the door with this metal gate. Now, when the first gate came down, I was like, is she trying to lock him in just in case he is in there? And then the second one came down and I was like, I know what she's doing. She is locking all of the rooms that she's checked so she doesn't have to check them again or that Michael cannot use them as a way mm-hmm. to hide later. She's narrowing down his way of escape and, and monitor or, or, or motion. And I was like, this is so smart. And I just was so happy to see all of that. 
Now, I do call shenanigans on one scene from this ending. Okay. And it goes, it one-ups your Dr. Sartan. So, Michael kills the son-in-law outside. Yes. The body's left outside. Comes in the house to look for Lori. She finds him in a room in the second story all the way at the end. And the son-in-law's body has been hidden away in that room. When we saw Michael walk into the house, he clearly did not have a body with him. No, he did not. And I'm trying to think because I <laughs> I think Lori was down in the basement with Karen. And I think during that whole squabble of her shooting up in the sky, that could have been the time that okay. he did it. He went out and got it and went upstairs to hide and then put the body in there to have a blood trail and. That's my only theory. I have no idea. But yes, the body did just end up there. Okay. Out of nowhere. Shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me read one other um, quote. We have Scare Daniel Podcast at Dare Daniel Pod. Fantastic horror flick. Judy Greer and Jamie Lee Curtis were excellent. Gave longtime fans what they wanted and loved seeing the effects of traumatic violence explored couple clumsy sequences but very very good overall um was there anything that felt very drawn out to you or just kind of a waste of time or whatever throughout the movie one thing that did strike me the second watch through is i feel like they went down into that basement area a lot there's a lot of back and forth up and down and it almost got to a point where it's like why Mm -hmm. okay all right um, I particularly didn't really catch anything that I didn't like except for the whole, um, Sultan thing. Um, I, yeah, I didn't really find anything too upsetting, really. I mean, I honestly didn't even really like the stepfather. I, don't, I shouldn't say stepfather. I mean the son-in-law. Right. I didn't really like him either. I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't really a big fan of his. I don't think he was boring or anything. It's just, he's just like, whatever. But uh, we have Judy Greer, who I've been waiting for her to have some moment because the way that kept hyping how she has been raised to fight and shoot a gun. And I was like, it's time. You got to one up Emily Blunt with her scene (laughs) in the basement. You can't let her take 2018, Judy Greer. You got to come up with a scene your own. So she has the opportunity to do what she's been trained to do. She sees her specific gun on the wall and she's like, I'm sorry, I can't do it. Mom, help me. Right at that moment. I was like, this bitch has trained all her life. Is this really how we're going to keep the movie going with her just failing? That's what went through my head. This is what I love. She hates Halloween so much. She's in a Christmas sweater. (laughs) I didn't notice. Did you? That. I noticed that in the second viewing, <laughs> all of the trick or treaters going around doing all their things. She, when they go to pick her up, and Jamie Lee's at the door, she's wearing a Christmas sweater. This bitch. I had no idea the first <laughs> time, but she is rocking Christmas. She does not like Halloween, so obviously, all of this is just she's done with it, right? Mm-hmm. She's pleading. She's like, I can't do it, and I get it. I get the fear. Like you've never had to deal with this this whole entire time. Like, why would you suddenly just be like, bam, I'm ready to just kill somebody? But, you know, he rips op- open the, you know, the the door to the basement and we're just waiting for Michael to come in. And, you know, she's pleading and pleading. And then all of a sudden that bipolar 180 came in and was like, gotcha, <laughs> bitch. 
and he sh- and she shoots him and god did our audience go fucking they went mad. crazy that was amazing but how did your audience go in the second time I don't think it got much of a reaction the second time. Really? Oh, our theater went nuts. Really? Because here's the thing. By the time that we get to um, um, Allison going to uh, Lori's house with Sultan and we see the cops and they're investigating, blah, blah, blah. The theater at this point was just yelling at the screen. They were done. They were just like, stop making these stupid moves. They were just yelling, do this, do that. Like, it was just, I mean, it wasn't like annoying, but you can just hear certain chuckles. Like, people were really into it at this point, right? So by the time Judy started pleading for her life, people were like, no, you gotta shoot him. Like, it was, like, I heard one guy, who's like, no, you can't, don't be scared. Like, shoot him. And then she does it, and then the theater just went crazy crazy out of happiness they were just like whoa and judy greer just like praise you yes i don't i wonder if anybody really knew that that was going to happen i didn't think that was going to happen i will gladly admit that i did not see that coming i thought that was so brilliant and this is what her mom trained her to do michael is a fucking sexist and all he needs to do is hear a woman plead for her life and that is his cue to come out and what happened? He fell for the bait, fucking sexist bastard. <laughs> oh, and you know what other scene got so much applause right before this, but when Jamie gets thrown from the window and lands on the yes, ground. Yes, 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 yes. And then disappears, just like Michael in the first one. Yeah, I was going to um, bring that up um, while we talk about oh. Easter eggs. But no, 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 that's, that's an amazing scene. Yes, we got tons of applause for that, too, because... It was now Michael who's like, oh, God, where is this woman? She's going to get me. It's like, I need to wash my back. Now, here's the thing. I saw it the second time with my sister. And during this whole house scene, she started laughing. I was, and afterwards, I asked her, what's so funny? And she's like, Michael almost looks stupid. <laughs> Looking around the house like, where'd she go? <laughs> yeah, he was like, no, because he didn't, he didn't expect any of right. that. Um, but yeah, no, that, that's a very good scene, but But she did say she loved the fact, like you said, that predator becomes the prey in this scene. Mm -hmm. Jamie is the villain all of a sudden trying to get Michael. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That whole just sort of stumble with him falling down the stairs and then trying to get past him to go up the stairs and trap him with those. I mean, her house was lit, like completely prepared for all of this and it worked. The plan worked. So one thing I noticed my second run through, and it goes along with what my sister is saying about his mask. I feel like they intentionally made his mask have a childlike quality to it. Okay. And the part that really makes me see that is, like you said, they trap him in the basement. And then um, Lori basically lights up the house. And there's this moment where his mask is in shadow. And it really, to me, looks like a child pleading for his life at that moment okay and i think this was done intentionally it could be wrong but then the fire comes on it illuminates the mask and then we see all the cuts and scrapes and the mask once again looks evil yeah and it just to me really is almost a moment where michael's like help me save me and then we're reminded wait a minute this guy's a killer yeah and then they go along with the plan it's interesting Mm -hmm. no i like that i like that i want to read another comment of somebody who saw it over the weekend uh, Ryan L. Terry at RL Terry one. It was brilliant works equally well as a fan service movie and a launch pad for new stories. 
It was nostalgic and new all at the same time. Was truly the film that I wanted and Green, the director, delivered in spades or dives, as it were. (laughs) So um, he brings up nostalgic. Uh, Why don't we bring up as many Easter eggs as we can name? Did you, how many did you, which ones did you catch? So the one they showed in the trailer even was uh, the trick-or-treaters are wearing the masks from Halloween 3. Yes, that is correct. (laughs) Jamie Lee is clearing out the streets, getting all the trick-or-treaters to get out while Michael is um, running around and we see a skeleton and a pumpkin head running. Mm -hmm. Yes, that is a homage to the third. Um, What was another one? And then you kind of brought it up earlier, but the kill with the old woman who's just kind of cooking in her kitchen straight from Halloween 2. Definitely from Halloween 2. And I'll just get the other one out of the way. When um, the cop runs over Michael, that is from Halloween. I want to say that's from Halloween 2 as well because they hit um, a guy in a mask um, that wasn't Michael, but they hit him with his car. Mm-hmm. And I want to say that that was part of it too. And I expected it to be somebody else under the mask, but then we got the whole Sultan Sartan twist, but I thought that it wasn't Michael and it was somebody else. Right. But, um, also the dad driving with his boy, the way they happen upon the crash bus with all the mental patients mm-hmm. walking around straight mm-hmm. from the first one. Exactly. Um, we do get to see Michael's eye gone. Yes. With this scar. So we point out that when he, when she, when he got stabbed, they pointed that out so that and eye was still there. And we see Jamie's cut that he gave her. Yes. Yes. We definitely see that. Um, one of my favorites is Allison in class. And she looks out. Yes. And she, in the first one, Lori sees the Volkswagen. But in this one, we see Jamie Lee stalking her <laughs> from the classroom <laughs> window. That was so brilliant. And both times I saw it, that got a laugh. (laughs) Yeah. But you wonder if it was because she's just stalking or did they tie it into the first one? I think they tied it in because she saw Michael standing out there at one point, didn't she? I thought it was just the car, but I could be wrong. I think she sees Michael. Very good. Very good. Um, The clothesline with all the the clothes. They didn't really do the scene just the same, but just having them outside was brilliant. There's also the way that the babysitters die. You know, her getting attacked, like, while they're kind of doing it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But the boyfriend getting stabbed and pinned to the wall. Yeah, and the sheet. And the sheet, and they brought the sheet back. I thought that was pretty clever, too. I'm going to dry hump you so hard. That was so (laughs) funny. I love it. I love it. Um, And again, uh, the closet doors and the wire hangers in the Mm -hmm. last scene just those folding open you know those folding closet doors they were still the same type of model and just (laughs) her kind of going through trying to find him in the wire hangers that was so like halloween okay but um but yeah the whole balcony thing was just brilliant the minute i saw that that house had a balcony and they were wrestling around i was like watch her go over the window and i didn't i was like are they gonna do it because I had anticipated it. I was like, are they going to have him like look over and she's going to be gone? But they even played the music. They did. That was so great. And I was like, this is amazing. But okay, should we call shenanigans on Lori, though? Because Lori, when she's at her door, somebody actually pointed out, like, why would she be listening at that door for him to grab her? Yeah. 
but she gets like beat the shit out of her, like tons of head trauma. She picks her up and knocks her head around. And she falls off a balcony and still lives. Yeah. I mean, am I just hating on old people right now? But I don't know how <laughs> she was able to maneuver all that. Well, and she get out is of there. in good shape, though. Okay. I'll let it go. But yeah, I know. It's a lot that she goes through and she's still just fine. Yeah. But I, I love that. That was a great scene. So I even. This one may be kind of a stretch, but I even take the last scene as an homage to the first movies. So the fact that Allison is still holding the bloody knife, I'm wondering if there's more of these, is she A, going to be kind of like Jamie and was that an homage to Jamie Mm -hmm. and her kind of losing her psyche because of what she's gone through and is she going to stab somebody Or is she going to be the next Lori and kind of step up to try to kill Michael? Well, um, I just know that they better buy her a new phone because a millennial without their phone (laughs) will lose their shit. You saw she had no phone the whole movie. So and she lost her shit. She's holding that bloody knife. Exactly. Get her a new phone and we won't see anything bad happen. Just get her another phone. Um, no, I mean, who knows what they're going to do with that? And I think there are so many possibilities. Um, I wouldn't, I don't, I don't know. I, if they're going to do another one, do another family, do another okay. killer, have it be a different story. So I was reading that McBride and Green, the writers and director, um, they said they wanted to originally do two movies. Okay. So they have ideas for the second. And the reason they didn't do it is they're like, what if people hate us after this movie? Because we are taking on a classic. Mm -hmm. Why are we going to put out a second movie when we're already hated? But um, the studio did say if this one does well, we're going to get a sequel. So would you like it to take place in the same evening? Hmm, That's a good question. I hate you and your good questions. Thank you. Um, I would. I think that could be really interesting. We didn't see the sun come up. So that's a possibility. But again, do we want to deal with Michael after being burnt to death? I think he got out. They specifically showed that scene of him not being there. Jamie would not go through all the trouble fixing that house up if she did not make sure that there was no escape in that basement. It's the only reason why the trap was set for the basement because there's no other way out. What if he hid under something? (sighs) Okay. What if he borrowed some of Elvira, Elvira's flame retardant stuff she wore in the <laughs> the fire scene? Jesus. I don't know. But, um, I mean, if they do when they do one, I'm going to watch it. I don't care. I, you know, it's, it's, it's freaking Halloween. I just read an article today, actually, because if you sit through all the credits wanting some sort of Marvel thing to happen, it doesn't. (laughs) But we do get Michael breathing in the very end. So some people are taking that as this is a hint that he's still alive. Do we want Jamie and Judy Greer in it, too? That's what I'm wondering, because we do have these three girls who are all on board now to kill Michael. So would we focus on all three? Would he kill one of them in the beginning? I almost would want to see, I think, not having Jamie in it, maybe. Okay. Like, maybe she dies in the beginning, and this is what gets the other two girls to take action. We'll see. I mean, mm. we we don't know. I mean, it, the other thing is that I'm surprised. So, two things. I'm surprised that Jamie did not drive all the way to the other place that they needed to go 
to make sure that he actually made it in to the facility. Because I would not go on a hunch that the transfer went successfully. Oh, I see. She seems a little bit too obsessed to not follow them. But mm-hmm. we end up seeing her at dinner. The other thing is, is that she chose to leave. And I look, they went through some heavy shit. When you got to get out, you got to get out. But I'm surprised she didn't want to see a body. Yeah, that's true. She just left. And I, I guess she's very confident in her plan. But I would have wanted to see a body. Well, I think she was probably also, her mind was clouded by the fact she needs to protect her daughter and granddaughter. Mm-hmm. No, that's true. I love how they're all standing above him. Yeah. Just, yeah. And and she had to do something, too. She saw the knife, and that was another reaction. The people were like, grab that knife and get him. And then she started stabbing him. And so they all got their little, you know, thing in there. But, um... My one fear is, though, if they do make a sequel, we are getting to a point where, like you said, he's like 70. You know, the fact that he survives all these stabbings and he survives this fire trap, like, we're going to get back into the supernatural well, again it's if just we keep like, going. It's how do you kill him, though? Yeah. That's the other thing, is, like, we're going to be running around and doing all this stuff, but it's like, none of these women are going to be brave enough to, to cut his head off. Like, it's <laughs> like, I don't know how they're going to get around this, so... We'll just see what happens, but it made enough money to do it. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to read one more review from Twitter. Uh, This is from K.Lee at Kaylee underscore film review on Twitter. It has your standard cliches and contrivances, but none of it matters when there's so much passion and love put on screen. Couple pacing issues here and there, but what a killer climax and score. I'm not even the biggest fan of Halloween, and I think the new one is badass. That is something I forgot to touch on. Mm -hmm. I love the music. I love how the first half of the movie is like the classic music, Mm -hmm. and then it goes into this newer music. Like music, updated stuff. Yeah, as it goes on. music is very good. I downloaded it immediately. I haven't heard it all the way through, but I have always loved the music from um, these Halloween films. So, yeah, they Mm -hmm. did a really good job with that. Um, as I exited my movie of Star is Born, um, Halloween must have ended it too because I overheard this couple talking about it and he says, I didn't like it. <gasps> Where was my gore? Where was my mayhem? They didn't go too far. And then I faded out of their conversation walking past them as he was saying Rob Zombie gave us what killers would most likely do and that's be brutally unapologetic and fuck shit up which is something we didn't get in this we've had a 40 year wait for this and you bring this movie back after said movies and then you kind of i guess quote unquote push it back holding the gore i mean i thought there was a lot of disgusting stuff if that head exploding under his foot isn't enough for you I don't know what you need to sleep at night. Right. But he didn't think it was gory enough. What do you think about the heaviness of brutality in this between both movies? I thought this was very gory. You know, we see the gas station owner's jaw basically off of his face. Mm -hmm. You know, we see the podcaster get slammed against the wall repeatedly to where it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. I don't know what else this guy needs. So you know what he probably would have liked to have seen the jaw be ripped open and not this aftermath of a, B and C happening. We didn't see the old woman's head get bashed with the hammer. 
it's like these are opportunities to make it very authentic that we're living in 2018. We can take all this shit now and it doesn't have to be so off screen sort of like what's in our mind. What are we thinking? Is it better to think about what's happening versus seeing it? So I think that's maybe something he was alluding to. So I'm the type where I think it's almost scarier to me that I don't see it. Okay. Like hearing the woman's head get bashed in when she's just in her house making dinner. Mm-hmm. That's terrifying to me. Yeah. I don't need to necessarily see it. I think that could go into kind of a cheesiness that I didn't, I didn't want. So I disagree with this random man that you speak of. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I mean, most people are going to go to certain movies for different reasons. I got exactly what I wanted from it, so I'm pretty happy with the final results. I was very skeptical because it's been so long and there's just been so much, you know, tossing of the stories. They don't know which way they want to go with. Is it based on the second one? Is it based on the first? I just thought it was just too much, Mm -hmm. but I think they pulled it off very well. Oh, you know what? I want to ask you something. Mm -hmm. What do you think of him leaving the baby alive? Why do you think he does that? See, now I want to say that he's a very one-track-minded person. And if I'm going to go there, then that means killing the blonde woman and the old lady was strategic. Having said that, I don't... I mean, for him to be obsessed with Lori and to be as tactical as he is, I mean, he's just not running around, you know, just killing people left and right until he gets to Lori. He is going from point A to point B, he's not stopping along the road to kill random people. So he has a set goal. Killing a baby, I mean, maybe because the baby wasn't crying that much. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe it didn't annoy him. Okay. I I have no idea. But, I mean, for the sheer, like, shock value is, oh, my God, is he going to kill the baby or not? It does question exactly how crazy he actually is. Yeah, I like that scene for that reason. So, um, yeah. Hmm. Any honorable mentions before we rate the film? Yes, we didn't talk about one of the great scenes. So the scene with the uh, motion light. That was my honorable mention. Ah, damn. No, go ahead. Yeah. The, that was a brilliant Brilliant. Scene. I mm-hmm. love this scene. And I love the way that they made us kind of not like the guy right before that scene because suddenly he's just a sex-crazed maniac. And then just seeing that light turn off and on and not knowing where Michael was, that was great. That was really good. And I think just the subtlety of this kid thinking that it's the owner of the house mm-hmm. and he is confessing his you know, desperation for affection and I'm so sorry, man, and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, okay, I'm going to leave. And then the guy gets closer and it's just, it's just kind of fucked up. Yeah. And you're hearing him plead for help and Allison just doesn't give two shits. And, um, I don't know how he was moving without the light going off again. I think he just moves like Drax. He moves so slow that you can't even see him moving. And the light, (laughs) stop it. (laughs) He's doing the Drax move for me. (laughs) (laughs) Too funny. Yeah, no, that was a very messed up scene. And then, yeah, we find his, you know, head on the hook afterwards. And and you see one of the hooks is actually through his yeah, through lower his, jaw. Yeah. Oof. Oh, yeah. No, that was a very good scene. But again, it, you just wonder if it was just really targeted towards Allison or was it just because I'm walking down the street and here I go. But um, no, yeah, that was a really good scene. All right, Sean, what are we rating this? 
Christmas sweaters. Christmas sweaters. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, how many Christmas sweaters are you giving Halloween 2018? You know what? I'm going to give it two times two plus one. Five Christmas sweaters. It is getting a full score for you. Okay. Very good. Um, I am giving it a 4.5. Okay. Now, I was very, very entertained by this movie. It is one of the best horror films I have seen this year. But here's the thing. Between these two showings, I got very excited watching this film, and a big part of it was nostalgia. I mean, let, let's be real. Most of these scenes were just homage to the first one. It wasn't as unique as it could have been. Okay. And there's nothing wrong with that tactic. All I'm saying is, is that most of my excitement came from the fact that they took elements from the first and twisted it had they written their completely new story from front you know from beginning to end i probably would have given it a perfect score but i think they tagged a little bit too much towards the first one and just reminded me reminded us how much we love the first that makes sense i also again i didn't dig the the doctor tie-in so that loses a little bit of score for me. And it took me a while to kind of get back into the movie and be excited until Michael started attacking Lori. But from there, I was just kind of pissed. I was like, what are we doing here? What What's happening? And Allison surviving. I mean, Michael chose not to kill her. He killed the doctor first, got out of the car, and that was it. And he was like right next to her. He could have easily just took her out. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, 4.5 for me. But what a wonderful film. Yes. So, speaking of Christmas sweaters and the fact that I don't like them, let's move on to Sean's sound booth time. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Sean, what song do we have today? I was not creative at all, Rob. It's fine. But a song came to mind right away, and I think it's perfect. The song is by The Misfits. It's a classic. It's called, wait for it, Halloween. (laughs) And the reason I chose it is the lyrics literally say, like, Halloween on this day, anything goes. I remember Halloween, burning bodies hanging from poles. So it's literally about, like, old school Halloween, people getting killed, mayhem. Okay. I could totally imagine that song playing through for a trailer for this movie. Okay, fair enough. So here's a little bit of The Misfits with Halloween. Halloween. was the misfits i know it's not a great recording but there aren't really any great recordings of the original stuff but thank you for joining me for sean's sound booth time all right sean one more order of business we are still counting down our favorite horror films of all times we are at number four going down to number two so what is your number four horror movie of all time so this one you can actually find a full review from rob myself and nick from epic film guys it's insidious ah insidious made your list very good (laughs) um my number four is the descent 
Ooh, that is a really good it's one. It's a very stressed out fucking movie. I saw this in theaters and I Oh, it just it just kept me on edge the whole time. Very good movie. So, my number 3 did the same for me. I was just on the edge the whole time and it gave me just a creepy feeling leaving the theater and just home life. It's The Strangers. Ooh, good one. <laughs> that one did not make my list. <gasps> I thought I knew you. <laughs> <laughs> but it, no, that is a very terrifying film. Um, my number three is Nightmare on Elm Street, the original. Nice. Uh, it had to be on this list. Right. You know, it was one of the first horror films, authentic horror films that I've ever seen. And um, it has my favorite slasher, Freddy Krueger, in it. So it's my number three. My number two, I'll have to tell you, I rented the first and second of these movies with my friend when I was in middle school, and we did not like them. Oh. And now it's the number two on my list. <laughs> it's a movie that you've heard me talk about way too much. It's Evil Dead 2. Evil Dead 2, yeah. <laughs> now explain to the people why you didn't like it the first time. I think because the first one is so cheesy, but it, that's why people like it, because it is cheesy. And then me being the continuity whore that I am, they basically throw the first one out the window and do the second one. And the second one's such a weird mix of horror and comedy that I just kind of feel like I didn't get it upon the first watch through. Okay. But then something in me was like, watch these movies again. So I watched them again and I got it. I just loved it. I thought it was so fun. And I still watch it pretty con consistently to this day. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Well, um, my number two is Insidious. Oh. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you um, listeners will get to hear a full review of this movie on the 28th. So keep a lookout for that this weekend. And um, I had a lot of fun uh, reviewing this movie with Sean as well as Nick from Epic Film Guy. And, uh, yeah, just keep a listen for that. That's part of the all the horror um, a bonus event that we're doing. So, yeah, Insidious is my number two. I already knew that because you said it in the recording. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, next week we are going to give you our all-time favorite horror movies each. And it will be uh, a part of a two-night event extravaganza. If you've kept up with this show, you will know that I, Rob, the movie geek, is obsessed with Hocus Pocus, the best Halloween-themed movie ever made. Even though you still haven't read the sequel that I finished so long ago. I know. I'm not a reader. I'm not here for <laughs> books. <laughs> okay? But I love Hocus Pocus so much, and apparently my friends do too. I had... Five requests to be on the Hocus Pocus episode. That gives us a total of seven people wanting to be on this freaking show for the review. So what I decided to do was split this review into two nights. We are recapping the entire movie half and half. So for the first night, which is Tuesday, October 30th, you are going to get the first half of Hocus Pocus with me and Sean, along with two of our friends. And then on Halloween night, we will um, release the second half 
of the Hocus Pocus review with two of um, of our other friends. No, three. Three. We're going to have three. See? Oh, my God. I tried to make everyone happy, and this was the only way that I could think of it. So Hocus Pocus is going to be a two-night event. It is going to be full of facts and fun, and we're going to recap this movie from memory. So this show could go anywhere. You guys do not want to miss this event and we're doing it totally naked <laughs> <laughs> so um we want to thank you for joining us for this review on halloween i know this is one of many we, we hope you get we hope we gave you some good insight and point of view from our perspective on this film and if you haven't seen it yet go out and see it we definitely recommend it and uh, again we want to hear what you thought about the review let us know on twitter or leave us a small review on iTunes. Remember, we are at Movie Geek and Proud. And uh, yeah, that is our show. Say goodbye, Sean. Bye, Sean.